but I wasn't that big and you know everybody said that uh, you know I was too small to play the upper tier division one school but you know there's a difference between facts and faith. Welcome into the Run the Race podcast. We talk on a weekly basis about fitness and faith. You know, we all definitely need motivation. Maybe it's to lose weight or get stronger physically or get closer to God as we seek purpose in life. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life. We sit down with fascinating guests, digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. And thank you for joining us for this Run the Race podcast. This is episode number 12, and hope you are having a great week so far. Just a reminder why we have uh, named this podcast Run the Race is partially because of a verse in the Bible, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Hope that motivates you to get through this day, get through this week because there's so much stuff, obstacles that are in our way in terms of, uh, you know, pulling for our time and uh, whether it be trying to spend some time with our family, getting work projects done. And we uh, hope and pray that you can get it all done without being stressed out. You have a chance to also maybe uh, go running or go to the gym or something to relieve some of that stress. If you missed our last episode, we talked to the Stroller Strong Moms owner in Columbus, Georgia, Rebecca Paul. Uh, Very, very inspirational what she said about just, you know, living life to the fullest and uh, trying to do your best to uh, you know, deal with depression when it comes up and to uh, get your body moving uh, as much as you can. You're not going to want to miss my conversation this week with a, a local mayor in East Alabama, Eddie Lowe, who played football for Alabama, in fact, under the legendary coach Bear Bryant. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about faith versus facts and how that mixes in with politics as well and how to work out on a, on a regular basis no matter how old you are. So you're going to hear from Eddie Lowe coming up in this uh, episode of this podcast. We also talk a little bit about Kobe Bryant, the legendary NBA basketball player, five-time champion, uh, him and his 13-year-old daughter and seven others uh, tragically dying in a helicopter crash over the weekend and just so heartbreaking uh, it impacting people all over the world because he was more than just a basketball player. He played professional basketball for 20 years, all with the Los Angeles Lakers, and uh, he's somebody that transcends sports. He was an electric personality. Uh, he had just an incredible work ethic, which is, uh, I think, something we all can learn, just to kind of work hard and a fiery competitiveness. Um, I've, we've heard so many anecdotes about Kobe Bryant this uh, in the last few days. Uh, one thing that uh, Coach uh, Mike Krzyzewski, Coach K, when he was uh, coaching him on the USA basketball team, he said that Kobe would come up to him, pull him to the side, and said, let me guard the other team's best guy every single time. And so he didn't back down from those challenges. He was somebody who uh, you can look up to, uh, and he will uh, left a legacy behind of somebody that left it all out on the court. He would be the first there and the last to leave. He was, uh, and, and that hard work paid off for him, winning five championships and MVP award and going down for some as one of the best basketball players ever. I would probably put him number two right now uh, only to Michael Jordan. I put him ahead of LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant was just amazing, you know. And and he was he had leadership qualities. He mentored people when it come to you know t- talked about resilience. And he he I remember him saying something about how everything negative, you know, all this pressure and challenges that you face, 
is just an opportunity for you to rise. So I uh, hope that motivates you today. He was an amazing uh, teammate who was uh, hard on his teammates, uh, but you know he wanted to be successful. He wanted to, he rooted for other people, and he wanted that to be a part of it. Um, you know, in leadership, one of the quotes that that I you know read and found it said the most important thing is to try and inspire people so that they can be great at whatever they want to do. And he also said, Kobe Bryant, a quote from him, the moment you give up is the moment you let someone else win. And and he was with his daughter on the way to her basketball game and um, called himself a girl dad because he had four daughters. And so we uh, definitely rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Uh, I have a friend here at work at my TV station who almost every week he wears a uh, Kobe Bryant jersey and wore that this week in honor of uh, number 24. And uh, he uh, definitely will be severely missed. And uh, not just for his time on the basketball court, but uh, the things that he uh, he gave us in terms of leadership and mentoring and just sports in general. So uh, hopefully that motivates you today as we uh, um, honor the life and legacy of Kobe Bryant and the other eight that died in that helicopter crash. Turning now to my conversation with Mayor Eddie Lowe from Phoenix City, Alabama, who uh, graduated from Central High School here, but uh, he went on to play several years at the University of Alabama. Uh, and, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Kobe Bryant and the impact uh, he's had and, and his work ethic. Um, but, uh, you know, Eddie is going to talk a little bit about his time playing for the legendary late Paul Bear Bryant. And he earned a degree in finance at Alabama, uh, where he is now uh, today still working as a senior vice president of a bank in East Alabama, CBNT. Before that, though, he played pro football with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the Canadian Football League, playing for nine years for them. He is married. They have three lovely children, including Jonathan, who followed in his dad's footsteps, playing with the Tampa Storm. He also has three grandchildren. He is a chaplain and a volunteer for a local high school football team and very involved with local community efforts. So here's my conversation with Mayor Eddie Lowe, former Alabama football player. And joining us now on the podcast is Mayor Eddie Lowe. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Really do. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about your football days and your uh, time as mayor in Phoenix City, Alabama as well. But first, we want to start off with the tragic news uh, we Mm -hmm. heard just in the last few days of um, basketball superstar Kobe Bryant uh, dying and his 13-year-old daughter and seven others in the helicopter crash. Tell me, as a former pro athlete yourself and somebody who maybe followed his career, uh, what are your thoughts on this just uh, horrible news? Well, first of all, my heart goes out to his wife and his other kids. I know that they're really uh, having a tough time now. But, you know, you hate to see things like that happen because being an athlete and a former athlete, you know how much you put in it to have the opportunity to be at your highest game. And Kobe was certainly that type of person in any athlete, but I think he had, uh, from what all I've seen and read and heard, that uh, he really had the focus of being the best to be the best that really drove others to be the best. And it always seemed to me that he was a cordial, quality person, and uh, the thing that you just hate for something to happen like that, but... You know, it happens. Uh, I think it's a message that we all need to value our time, particularly with the people who are the closest to us, because at the end of the day, it's always about relationships. Yeah, and you talk about that focus. He seemed to have that instinct on the court. He really wanted mm-hmm. to, to beat you so bad, and that's what made him so good at his, his craft. Yes, uh, I mean, he worked out uh, 
extremely hard from what I've been able to understand. And you know, back in 2018, before the football season started, Coach Saban had him to come talk to his players. And one of the questions that I remember vividly that was asked about a player is what, what uh, to him was, what is your biggest competition that you played against? And his answer said himself, because he has to push himself each and every day to be the best, and he had to always not measure his workout compared to other people because he wanted to be the best and keep that focus, as you stated. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a tragedy, mm-hmm. and, and you were talking about how recently spoke uh, at the University of Alabama mm-hmm. uh, because he was such a mentor to other athletes and, and you know showed leadership skills. And you started off as, um, you told me, as a walk-on for the Bama football team, eventually earning a scholarship. So what was – what was that process like? Did you expect, uh, you know, I'm going to play for Alabama? Well, again, uh, you know, I, I, I had a scholarship and played one uh, season at the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga and started as a freshman. Well, we were 7-0, and and I can remember vividly that uh, one of the senior guys who was a fifth-year senior uh, had an outstanding junior year and was projected to go very high in the, the draft the next year. Wow. Well, you know, in that business, and just probably like most businesses, um, you have to make sure your stocks stay up. And yeah. so that person was not having the season uh, that he had hoped to have to keep his stocks up. So they had a meeting and, and wanted the black players all to not show up for practice because uh, they didn't have a black coach. Wow. As, well, a, as a protest. Yes, as a protest. And me being a freshman, uh, wasn't raised that way, was there for a purpose. Um, I was taught differently, and I thank God for that. So uh, I made the decision. I said, listen, you know, you all been here four, five, two years, so what's the problem now? You should have known that then or before you decided to come here. So I took a stand on another person, and I won't call their names, uh, from Atlanta, Georgia. He was a freshman. We decided to stay on the team. Now, I have to admit this, that my heart wanted to play at the University of Alabama. But they did not offer me a scholarship because of my size. Uh, my brother played there. A friend of mine, Billy Jackson, was already there, which I used to talk to every week while I was at uh, UTC. Yeah. Your brother, Woodrow Lowe? Yes, he played ahead of me there. Quite naturally, I wanted to go there. One of my best friends, Billy Jackson, was there at the time who came out a year before me. And I talked with him every week. And he used to always say, Eddie, you can play here, you can play. I said, well, you know, this." over the dam so I'm you know starting here playing here and one of my other friends Jeremiah Castillo who was a junior who was uh, uh, after me had decided to go to the University of Alabama didn't take any trips so that just made me want to go there even more so I think Jason that when that incident happened and I stayed on the team me and this other guy I'm not going to use his name and we were the only two blacks staying on this team and we wound up losing didn't go to a bowl game. So that kind of, I guess, put the icing on the cake for me to leave. So I left the scholarship. Talked to my dad and uh, my mom, and uh, he told me this. He said, listen, you you make your decision. Now, if you make your decision, uh, you don't look back on it. You got to live with it. You got to live with it. And you know our circumstances uh, as far as paying. So I decided to leave. Got to University of Alabama in 1979. On January the 8th, and uh, walked on, had to sit out that year. 
because I played at UTC in 1978, the fall of 1978. Just kept working and working, and uh, at the end of my sophomore year, earned a scholarship. Wow. And uh, by the grace of God, wound up being Coach Brian Ladd's permanent team defensive captain. Wow. Now, what what was your position? A linebacker. Play? I linebacker. was a linebacker also. Okay. I wasn't that big, and, you know, everybody said that, uh, you know, I was too small to play the upper-tier Division One school, but – you know, there's a difference between facts and faith. That's right. <laughs> you can have the facts, but the faith is what usually gets you over. Yeah, your your will may be stronger than somebody's <laughs> yeah, exactly. bigger, right? Yeah, exactly. The faith. There you go. That's awesome. So, so what was it like? You know, because you know we hear a lot now about uh, Coach Nick Saban, who's uh, obviously won. Uh, you know, I think the, now the same amount of championships mm-hmm. than uh, uh, Coach Bear Bryant. So, tell me about what was it like really playing for Coach Paul Bear Bryant? Because we hear so much about just the the tough practices and and what it was like and his just being such a classic coach. Well, uh, first of all, let me say, Coach Bryant really cared about his player now there was a certain regiment that you was going to do he was extremely hard but he was fair practices was tough you know back then you didn't have the 20 hours that you could practice and watch film in the game I mean I think about two and a half days three days you you would have 20 hours in but you didn't have the rules then and practice was extremely hard in particular Jason when we played teams that um, we supposed to have just annihilated, it was the toughest week of practice ever. And the reason why we realized that he didn't want you to lighten up. But you you practiced extremely hard. Uh, you went over everything. Uh, like I said, he was hard, but he was fair, and that's all you can ask for. But he really cared about his players. And people say, well, how do you know he cared? Well, Coach Ryan started an endowment. With all his former players, all the managers, all the trainers, that if you let her there, your kid would get the Paul Bell Bryant uh, tuition paid. And so he left that endowment for his former players and anybody who was associated with it. But he wanted you to be a quality young man, and there was just certain things that he expected you to do. And, you know, I hear people nowadays that say, well, that Coach Brian, Bam Brian stuff don't work anyway, but Coach Saban is doing it the exact same way. And so when people say that, that lets me know that they really don't know anything about football. Yeah. But uh, they have the same mannerism as far as following a strict regimen, and that's what you got to have to create discipline. And now, and, and after what happened, like you said, that last season for you at UTC was. Um, was race a factor at all? This was the late 70s under Paul Bear Bryant, who who's known for, you know, um, changing maybe the face of football in some ways. I, you know, I Coach Bryant, uh, I never saw that. He treated every person, no matter who you were, if you didn't do what you're supposed to do, whether you were black, white, Hispanic, or anything, you suffer the consequences. And you didn't have uh, – Every day in practice, you didn't necessarily practice with the ones. He rotated you on different days with different squads. And a lot of times you never knew who was going to start. And everybody had to practice hard and do their due diligence to please the coaches and him, ultimately him. But I never saw that. He, uh, 
I uh, heard Coach Croom say he he treated us all bad as far as hard practice. <laughs> he did not. I never saw that, um, and he cared about his players. And you kept your nose clean. He would help you even after football. Yeah, and you were talking about you know your size playing football. Uh, maybe being quote unquote undersized, but uh, and there's facts versus faith. So tell me about what you mean by that, because I know for you, faith is a, a cornerstone of uh, all maybe all aspects of mm-hmm. your life. So what does what does that mean to you? Maybe when you're a young man, and even and today as well. Well, you know, the facts said I was five nine, 195 pounds, 190 pounds playing middle linebacker in the SEC. Uh, where it was really Billy Goat football, which means that 80% of it was running or 90% of it, 10 or 20% was passing. Well, now that has kind of changed. But the facts say, yes, that was the size I was. That was the weight I was. But the faith is what really gets all of us, whether we realize it or not, through because you're going to have those challenges. And, you know, uh, I've always felt that uh, – you know, God give us, uh, he doesn't necessarily give us an overcoming life. He gives us life to overcome, which means that we have to, in my values, is to have my foundation around him and that, and that's part of my faith. Yeah. And how do you live that out? Because I know that, um, you know, is that being such an important part of your life in church and prayer um, on a regular basis? Because a lot of people, you know, see maybe they just attend church on Sundays and mm-hmm. maybe they just kind of live their life beyond that? Well, uh, I would hope that, you know, sometime your actions, well, all the time, as far as I'm concerned, your actions going to speak and how you carry yourself and how you present yourself and how you treat people. Uh, my faith is very important to me, and, I, you know, I'm not ashamed of that. I do not make any bones of things about that. My faith is very important and the people that knows me know that. And I know that sometimes people try to push you in the corner saying your religions and politics don't go together. Well, to have a good government, in my opinion, you got to have the foundation of the faith or my spiritual value. And I say this, that uh, for the past three years, Jason, my pastor, myself, uh, who is black, we have a pastor at Central Baptist Church and one of his person who's white and how this started three years ago we just start talking and meeting uh, every Wednesday and we rotate those churches and so for three years we've been praying for these communities and it has grown to sometimes you may have close to 20 people hmm. of all ethnicities of all beliefs of all denominations so that's what's important to me because now, you know, I can probably get castigated because of my faith and talking about God, but it doesn't fear me. But I believe in, in my heart that to have a good government, you got to have God in it. Yeah. Wow. And that's just, you know, my faith. I believe that as well. I think the spiritual <laughs> aspect of it, if you put that as your foundation, yes. faith over politics, you know. For you, when you were a young man, um, you know, in your in your 20s, you're still a young man now, <laughs> but, but when you were a younger man in your 20s and you played nine seasons in the CFL, Canadian Football League, 
for was it Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Okay, wow, that's a, that's a great name, right? One there. word, <laughs> Rough Riders. So when you were uh, back in your football playing days, was was faith a, a part mm-hmm. of your life as well? Was it because you were still maturing as a man? Yes, uh, the, the, I grew up in a in a as we say a Christian home. Spiritual values being important, but you know you ebb and flow, and where I really started growing uh, spiritually is when I got to college and really got into FCA. And as a fellowship of Christian yes, athletes. Yes, exactly. And uh when I got to Canada, my goal again was to play in the NFL. But again, you're too small, you're not tall enough, you don't have enough weight. So I got a chance by the grace of God to go play in Canada. And uh went up there, uh got married 2 weeks, went to my wife and I didn't ask her to marry me. I said, "Look, we got to get married." <laughs> I'm going out the country, so we got married probably two weeks, three weeks before I left. And huh. thank God, and been been married for 36 years to her, and still in love with her. And and one of the best things I did, besides accepting Christ as my my Savior, yeah. And, and uh, three kids, three grandkids. three kids, and three grandkids. Okay. Yes, uh, three boys. And uh, so we got to Canada, and uh, you know, always felt that I could play in the NFL. Never did get the chance. Uh, and it took me about four years of playing, and I was fortunate and blessed to play for the same team, to realize that I was where I supposed to have been by his divine, divineness. And how I came to that conclusion, I was used to having a Bible study when I was in college with, you know, people, different homes, and then the dorms back then you had dormitory. So my wife and I started a Bible study. This is in Saskatchewan, in Saskatchewan, Canada. Yeah, okay. in Regina, Saskatchewan. Okay. And that it grew. So when it started growing, I said, well, you know, this is where I'm supposed to have been. So all my, anybody who played with me or anybody who's been around me at the city or anything, they realize and know how important my spiritual values are. And uh, I keep that stand and, and, and not ashamed to talk about it. And I do know that in today's environment, People try to attack you, but, you know, that's one thing that my foundation I have to keep. Yeah. Do you look back fondly on those days, those nine seasons playing the CFL? I mean, do you miss those days of the of the team and, and, and hitting the road and, and, and playing the, well, those games? I, uh, you know, I tell a lot of people that I was blessed to be able to walk away when I wanted to. Um, I, I, I would tell you this, Jason, I, I uh, attribute my ninth season playing uh, in, with the same team is because my family always was with me. You know, when I first left, we have training camp. Back then, you had two days, six weeks, and then I think after my fourth year, sometime around, they cut it to four, four weeks of two days, six weeks of two days. Whoa. Nothing but football, and you don't practice in the city you play in. They take you further north, west, east. Where it's colder, maybe. Yeah, and, and you have six weeks, start off six weeks, wound down four weeks. And so after you found out you made the team, because a lot of people don't realize you sign a contract, but it's more like a lease and it's one-sided. So you have to make the team every year. So once I found out I made the t- team, I would always bring my family up there. And I attribute that to me being able to play nine years with the same team. So, you know, found and, and met a lot of great people of all ethnicities, uh, still in contact with them. Uh, we speak and talk. 
And I was where he wanted me to be. And, uh, you know, you miss that. But by me being able to walk away when I wanted to, I think that helped. And also being able to come home and volunteer coach with my high school coach at Central High School, Wayne Trayway at the time. This is in Phoenix City, In Alabama. Phoenix City, yes. Okay. The high school I played at. And my high, my high school head coach was still there after I finished my football career in Canada. Post-football career. Uh, you had earned a degree in finance mm-hmm. at the University of Alabama mm-hmm. and went into banking. So uh, was that, I, I, I'm sure, a, a lot different going from the football field to the banking industry? I mean, I'm sure there's some correlations. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and the thing about it, me playing linebacker, uh, the correlation is, uh, uh, you know, you call plays and you have to check and you only have a few seconds. So I was, I'm, I'm able, because of that, I think, to be able to remember numbers very well. So I decided to major in finance. Uh, thank God I got my degree and uh, start working. Well, I used to work in the banks during the summer when I was home uh, for the summer break. I never – it's not like it it is now where they they don't mandatorily make you stay during the summer, but it's wise too. During the summer, I would always come home and I, you know, worked as a teller. And made, that's what made me decide to major in finance. And so uh, majoring in finance, I always loved math, majoring in finance. And uh, when I finished playing, even though, uh, Jason, I would tell you, during the off season, I would come home and work in the bank because you wanted to – you never know how long you're going to play professional sports, particularly football because it's such a contact sport. So every off season, I would come home, work in the bank, continue to work out because uh, I wanted to build my resume. And I just thank God that I work for a company and still do that uh, allow me to do that. Yeah, because I think the average uh, pro football career is like three or four seasons, yeah. very short. Yes. Because, I mean, those that like Eli Manning that, you know, uh, maybe for 20 years, that's very rare. Yeah, but, well, a quarterback can do that quicker than <laughs> someone who's in the pits. Especially the but, way they're protecting them now, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but I tell you this, uh, I missed one game in my uh, professional career. Huh. One game, and let me tell you, I contribute that to my work ethics during the off season and working out. Like I said, I rested one week, and after that, I started back working out. I didn't do as much running, and it's kind of like a you know high low end. When I first got home and I started working out, I would lift more weights to build because running tears your body down, as sure. you know. So the year we won the Great Cup, I played twenty four games. Hmm. Uh, eight, we played 18 regular season games, three three playoffs and three preseason. So when I first started working out after the season, after that week, I would lift weights hard and longer and not as much running. And, and I would always, each day, I gradually would put it where it would be equal. The, the cardio and Cardio the and weight lift. Okay. Because you have to run and, and pound and tear your body down. But one of the things I did, after every game, I would go in and get a hard weight workout. Because I discovered for my body that uh, if I waited two days after a hard game, because, you know, you get beat up pretty. Sure. Two days later, I was sore. So what I would do is go get a hard workout with weights and go do some running. And a lot of time they you would do running, but you wouldn't do the weight. So I used to do both, but I used to do a, a hard workout, and so that kind of helped me. I believe to this day with my work ethics of 
staying in shape and lifting, it, it, it contributed to me playing nine years and missing only one game. Yeah, because I mean, there's definitely the uh, some say, you know, recovery or rest, but others, like even for, for instance, for running, if you do a hard run and then you're tired and then you do another run the next day, a long run, it's you're running on tired legs, which is training your exactly. body to be able to sustain, like, okay, if I'm hurting, I can continue you, on. And that's the object. Yeah. Pushing yourself. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, how long have you been – how long has it been since your football career ended? I retired in 1991. Okay. So, now, um, in you know, today's time for you, uh, do you still go to the gym on a pretty regular yes, basis? Yes, I, um, I don't do a strenuous workout. Like, I'm not <laughs> competing. I, I call it an executive workout. <laughs> but I still uh, – I go and uh, don't run as much. Uh, because you, your knees, but I walk uh, four to five minutes, sometime on a high-end climb. And, so, and I still jog a little bit, but I can't jog, or it's difficult for me to continue jogging for a mile because of my knees, all the pounding that my body, and I'm not a, a light person. But I still lift weights. Uh, I don't lift strenuously. I don't lift hard. I just lift enough to keep the joints moving and to uh just make me feel better yeah. but i work out i try to work out four or five days a week yeah and uh now uh you have been the mayor of phoenix city uh since 2012 is that correct yes sir so phoenix city for those who don't know is um a city just on the other side positively of phoenix city positively <laughs> phoenix city uh so you're right there you're about you know 30 40 minutes from auburn for those mm -hmm. who maybe are not familiar with this area and right next to columbus georgia right on the line um, so tell me about, um, you know, what has that been like for you? Because, I mean, do you ever have aspirations? I'm going to be a mayor of a city one day. No, it uh, that never was my admiration. Never thought. In fact, uh, if you had asked me this eight, nine years ago, I would have said you're crazy. <laughs> well, you know, there were quality people of all ethnicity was coming and asking me, to. you need to run, you need to run. I said, no, I wouldn't last because I'm too direct and too straight. And every one of those persons, after I made that statement, would say, that's just what we need. So after it kept occurring, I, of course, I talked to my dad about it. My mom was uh, deceased at the time when I first ran. And uh talked to my dad, and he said, listen, yeah, you've competed all your life. So it's just, you know, be competitive when you run. So I did. After I talked to my wife, got her okay, I put my name in and won. And you know what, Jason? I am so – it was ordained. I believe that wholeheartedly in my heart. And I am really having fun because I love people. And uh, you just tell the truth and be who you are and don't allow it to to make you something that you're not and just stick with those principles and values and be able to tell the truth boldly and do what's right and be able to be transparent and be able to show people things that you can show them. And I am really having fun because I love people, and I'm doing it for the right reason. And I think that's the key. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've been tested, but uh, my spiritual foundation has helped me to prevail. When you're in this gig, you have to be willing to be the sacrificial lamb for the whole. And I tell our counsel every, uh, often, if you're making decisions and making votes to get reelected, you need to do me a favor to leave. Or if you're doing your job to keep your job, you're not doing your job. Yeah. And because it's not about you, 
It's about the people. And I don't take that lightly. I really love people and want to see everybody can have the best life that they can possibly have. Yeah, and definitely, you know, uh, we, people have seen you as a leader for a long time, even before becoming mayor. What kind of leadership skills maybe did you learn from, you know, some people like Coach Bear Bryant or other people in your football career that maybe it's carried over, you know, decades later? Being disciplined. And one of the things that I truly, the best thing I learned from playing for Coach Bryant, you know, your parents talked about it, you didn't quite understand it. But the best thing I learned from Coach Bryant, is a leadership trait. It's how not to be jealous. That it's about the people and it, your teammate. It's not about you. You have to go out there and lay it on the line for your team. And you have to be willing to be the sacrificial lamb, which I stated earlier, for your team. And when the arrows are being shot at you, you just spread your wings wider so they can hit it. But it gives you a chance to show people how awesome you are, but more importantly, it gives people a chance to see how awesome God is. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and that's what I learned through playing sports. It's never about you. If it's all about you, then you're not a leader. No leader should make decisions based on their self-interest or their self-desires. You have to come last. Yeah, and humility is is a uh, humility and, and it's hard. You know, humility is the greatest attribute that anybody can have. Absolutely. And humility is not uh, thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Yeah. You put other people before you. Yep. And I try to live that each and every day. And having uh, maybe a confidence and experience, not just maybe a cockiness, perhaps. No, know? it's 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 all about the people you're responsible for. Yeah. And and I don't take that lightly. Yeah. Do you, um, you know, some people maybe uh, maybe they're listening that are churched or unchurched. Um, you know, what would you say to them in terms of how? You know, putting God first, how maybe that's, is that easy? Is that difficult in life? You know, I'm sure lots of ups and it, downs. It can be challenging because uh, people will, through, and you have to know that the, through evil spirits, evil forces, is they can push you to a point where it will hurt your testimony. And so what I always try to, you, you have to maintain your testimony. Now, there are times you have to get on the table and pound the, the desk or the table with your foot or, or your feet or your, <laughs> both hands. But it should never be done for your self-interest. It should be done for the holistic approach of the people that you're responsible for. Right. And what kind of reaction do you get from, you know, uh, maybe council, people you work with, the, the public um, in East Alabama where, you're, where you serve? Uh, when you know they they see you being open about your faith, I mean, is it? I mean, we're in the Bible Belt, mm -hmm. um, so are people generally pretty positive responses to that? I think so. I, I think so. And there are some who, uh, like I said, would make the statement that you know politics and church or politics and God don't go together. But you can't have a good government without God, and I believe that. Mm -hmm. And you know, I am going to run again, and you know. If you don't win, so what? Yeah, life goes on. Yeah, you, I mean, you, 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 you've given it your all, and that's what you—that's what you're going to have to answer for. Yep. 
Um, and you know, you you lead a busy life. I mean, like you talked about working out. You have a full time job mm-hmm. with the bank. Mm-hmm. You have um, you know, a wife, three kids, and three grandkids. So how do you balance all that in terms of giving time to your family and and making sure that you're the best? Husband, dad, granddad that you can be. I'm not sure. Do they call you a grand, granddad? They, they call me Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Big Daddy. And they call my, my wife G-Mama. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, uh, do you ever remember the commercial E.F. Hutton? I don't know. When E.F. Hutton speak, people listen. Well, that's my wife. <laughs> so so she's the mayor at home. She's, when she speaks, I listen. Okay. But, you know, I, church, my circle is very small. Um Working, going to church, Bible study, workout, mother-in-law, when my parents were living and going to see them, that's, you know, that's basically in my life, and I'm happy and content. Uh, but the thing you ask me is this, and at and, and the end of the day, you have to love people. No matter, you know, I have a HP uh, calculator, can, you know, do some pretty amazing things with it, but... That's good and fine, but if you don't know how to effectively deal with people, then it really doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, that's that's all matters. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Mayor Lowe. Appreciate well, you thank joining you. us. Yeah, thank you My very pleasure. much. My yeah. pleasure. And to be honest, this was one of my favorite interviews so far of doing this podcast for the last three months. Mayor Eddie Lowe, uh, just so easy to sit down and talk with about his time you know, on and off the football field. In fact, back in 1994, decades ago, he was inducted into the Saskatchewan Plaza of Honor with his time uh, successfully playing nine years in the CFL. Thank you again to Eddie Lowe for sitting down with us today. Now turning to our final segments of this episode, food for thought, parting gift, and our prayer. We're starting with a few news tidbits that are related to Kobe Bryant as we remember him so fondly. I found something from CBN News Christian Broadcast Network from their sports director, Sean Brown, talking about Kobe Bryant. And uh, obviously, you know, um, Kobe was a Catholic. And um, he he talked in the article about uh, Kobe Bryant having difficulties in his personal life off the basketball court during his career with the Lakers, facing a sexual assault charge that was later dismissed in a settlement with the accuser. In an interview that Kobe Bryant did in 2015 with GQ, he said confronting those challenges led him to more life choices like returning to his faith for guidance, uh, how he you know grew up Catholic and he you know, talked to priests on a regular basis. And one priest, in talking to him about this uh, sexual assault charge, uh, the priest asked him, you know, did you do it? And he said no. And Kobe said the priest told him, let it go, move on. God's not going to give you anything you can't handle. It's in his hands now. This is something you can't control so let it go. And Kobe Bryant said that was a turning point for him. He uh, reportedly attended Catholic Mass on a weekly basis, including on that fatal morning of the accident that took his life in the helicopter in California. And from a fitness perspective, a gym in Las Cruces um, just a day after NBA superstar Kobe Bryant uh, died along with uh, his daughter Gianna and seven others, this gym called Crunch Fitness They created a Mamba Mentality Challenge in Kobe Bryant's honor, explaining the challenge is perfect to really uh, honor 
Kobe for his dedication, his mentality, known for being a go-getter and having that killer instinct, going the extra mile. Uh, you know, Mamba mentality. I remember the last time he was on the court, Kobe Bryant saying Mamba out. And a lot of people remember him for having that mentality, for, for going, you know, getting through, you know, no matter what kind of pain you're going through, just doing it, finishing the job. And so uh, this Crunch Fitness Place explained that they're encouraging members to take the Mamba mentality challenge all this week. And maybe that will continue on for you as well as you, uh, you know, kind of strive to push yourself uh, beyond the limits that you're used to. And the parting gift for us today is a quote from Kobe Bryant. He said, quote, when we're saying this cannot be accomplished, this cannot be done, then we are shortchanging ourselves. My brain, it cannot process failure. It will not process failure because if I have to sit there and face myself and tell myself you are a failure, I think that is almost worse than dying. So it's just looking yourself in the mirror and um, not saying that, you know, I failed at this or I didn't do with this. You can't be scared of failure because that will happen in life, whether it be work or, or fitness or maybe something with your family. You just have to face it head on, try to improve and get better. So the next time you won't fail, uh, but you have to look at yourself in the mirror and said, I did my best and I'm not a failure, um, despite maybe what mentally and physically how you're feeling about that certain situation. We're going to close in prayer now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for um, helping us to uh, uh, overcome challenges we have. And we uh, pray right now for uh, the families affected by this helicopter crash and, and uh, by any kind of tragedies in the world, Lord, that, that we're able to, to come back stronger from them and that we can learn to, to live life to the fullest and not have any regrets, to, to call the people we need to call and, and not wait uh, because we never know uh, when our last breath will be. In your name we pray. Amen. So I encourage you to, to live life to the fullest. Carpe diem, because you never know when something's going to happen, when your time is up. Kobe Bryant was just 41 years old. Uh, surely will be missed, but uh, we see so many uh, taken from us too young, including there were uh, three teenagers on that helicopter as well. Thank you again for joining us for the Run the Race podcast. Again, you can go to WTVM.com slash podcast, listen to any of the past episodes. You can also subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Play or Stitcher. So go on there. And also, we'd love for you to write a review if you could, if you if you like this episode or have some ideas about what you'd like to listen to. To, uh, what you'd like me to talk about when it comes to fitness or faith, again, uh, go to WTVM.com slash podcast. And if you want to share this with your friends, use the hashtag RunTheRacePodcast. We hope you continue on this journey with us together to continue running the race. See you next time.